What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Riding the Pine. Jack Ridenauer back with you today, and we've got a really good one in store for everyone at home. We don't have a guest coming on today, but nonetheless, we've got a lot of guests, and I mean a lot of guests, lined up for the next few episodes for the foreseeable future, so get very excited for that. But before I get into today, let's take a little dive into the last episode, and I had an interview-only episode with current men's basketball player from the UC Irvine men's basketball team, Dawson Baker. He and I got into his career at UC Irvine and what it's been like for him getting readjusted to basketball after having a two-year mission away from basketball, what it's been like getting back into the swing of things for this season, and so much more. So make sure you check out that episode and all 170 episodes that are out now on all podcast platforms. And as we get into today, I'm going to just give my normal recap from week 12 of the NFL season. I'll also share a little recap from Sandwich Saturday, and then I'll wrap it up with just a little tease and preview into what everyone should get really excited about some upcoming guests, some upcoming segments on the show as well. So a lot of things to preview for the coming weeks and months on Riding the Pine. But nonetheless, folks, let's make our way into our show for today. So as always, be sure to find your favorite seat here on the bench with me. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Riding the Pine. As always, thanks for snagging another seat on the bench with me today. Hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I went home for the break. It was really nice. Got to see my family, got to hang out, relax a little bit, got to kind of take a little step away from the podcast and from work and just kind of decompress, if you will, for a couple days. But it's good to be back with you all today. We've got a lot to get into. And like I said, no guest on today, but, but we've got a lot of really good guests coming on the show in the coming weeks and just moving forward. So a lot of things to get very excited for. So like I mentioned, I'm going to dive into a little recap from week 12 and then I'll get into Sandwich Saturday. I was actually at home for Sandwich Saturday. So that was a lot of fun. Got to do one that's in the local area of where I grew up, you know, around the Maryland DC area. And then, like I said, I'm going to give a little preview into what is on the horizon for Riding the Pine. So as always, let's get into the nitty gritty and we'll first start obviously with Packers and Rams. Packers winning in a fairly close one, 36 to 28. I will say there was a couple things that gave me a scare towards the end of that game. I think we did a nice job at, and again, I'll get into all of this in a little bit, but I think we did a nice job executing down the stretch and especially defensively. I think we did a great job defensively down the stretch, but getting into some of the games on Thanksgiving and then moving forward, Bears and Lions, Bears winning 16 to 14, Raiders and Cowboys, Raiders winning 36 to 33, Bills and Saints, Bills trouncing on the Saints 31 to 6, Buccaneers and Colts, Buccaneers winning 38 to 31, Steelers and Bengals, I'm sorry Steelers fans, Bengals winning 41 to 10, a wild score there. Jets and Texans, arguably the worst matchup that we've had throughout this entire season. Two two and eight teams coming into week 12. The Jets winning over the Texans 21 to 14. Jets moving to now three and eight and the Texans two and nine. So horrible teams to say the least. Giants and Eagles, Giants winning 13 to seven. Panthers and Dolphins, Dolphins winning 33 to 10. Patriots and Titans, Patriots winning 36 to 13. Falcons and Jaguars, Falcons winning 21 to 14. Chargers and Broncos, Broncos winning 28 to 13. 49ers and Vikings, 49ers winning 34 to 26. And Sunday night, Browns and Ravens, Ravens winning 16 to 10, despite Lamar Jackson throwing four interceptions. If you're a team where your defense is forcing four interceptions, okay, four turnovers, and you still can't win, 
I just don't understand that. And again, kind of goes back to this point that we've been making over the last few weeks. Is Baker Mayfield worthy of this extension? Okay. His contract extension is going to be coming up at the end of the year. And again, if your defense turns over an offense like the Ravens four times, forces four interceptions on Lamar Jackson, that's on the offense. Okay. That's on the offense to get things going when your defense is able to get your offense on the field. If you're a defense that's been able to produce turnover after turnover like that, then the offense has to come on the field and capitalize on that. And they're not capitalizing. So again, it makes me wonder is Baker Mayfield worthy of this extension? He showed it on Sunday night. And again, I'm recording this on Monday, November 29th. So yesterday he showed that even when his defense is pretty much handing him time and time again, opportunity after opportunity, he cannot execute. He cannot capitalize. So again, it's a little side tangent, but I just still do not think that Baker Mayfield is worthy of this contract extension. So getting into some games from over the weekend, I'll touch briefly first on the Steelers and the Bengals game, which was just deplorable, dilapidating, very just sad to watch. Quite frankly, I actually changed the channel with my roommate. My roommate and I were both watching the game and we both agreed we are going to change the channel. So we changed the channel. I mean, Big Ben, you're starting to see, I think, the deteriorating of Big Ben. And I'm not going to, this is not all on Big Ben. Okay. This is not a pointing the finger at Big Ben. He's doing everything he can. The defense is very banged up. That's another thing that we have to remind ourselves of. They've been hit with COVID stuff over the last few weeks. They've been hit with injuries over the last few weeks. So their defense is really struggling. And I know that is a big cornerstone to the Steelers team's success. Roethlisberger, again, did not have a great game on Sunday. There were a couple throws. It was kind of, I would say, worrisome to look at because he's having a tough time even throwing it 10, 15 yards down the field. And I know earlier in the season, I was saying all he'll throw is 10, 15 yard little out routes and little screen passes. And that's about it. He's even having a tough time throwing those. So it does kind of concern me a little bit. The longevity of Big Ben going further into the season, they're five, five and one. And again, like I said, I think oddly enough, that tie for the Steelers is going to, in a weird way, come back to help them if they continue to struggle. Because again, if I'm not mistaken, as of right now, they own that tiebreaker over the Browns. They've got a big one coming up this week against the Ravens that they're going to need to take. And again, if they're a team like the Browns were this past week, where they are able to turn over the Ravens four times and force four interceptions, if you're the Steelers, you've got to say, okay, what did the Browns do defensively that we need to do there? A and B, how can we do the opposite of the Browns and actually capitalize and execute off of these turnovers. So a couple things that the Steelers are going to have to do coming into this big matchup that they've got with the Ravens. But again, Ben Roethlisberger, a tough day. Najee Harris had a really tough day on the ground, only eight carries for 23 yards. You got to give a lot of credit to this Bengals team. I mean, this is a good Bengals team. Joe Burrow looked pretty good, 190 yards. He had a pick, he had an interception, but he was 20 of 24 and Joe Mixon helping him out a lot with 165 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And I know I've mentioned it before, the Steelers rush defense has struggled at times this year. And I think it goes to show, again, guys being injured, guys being out of the lineup. It's starting to pile up on them right now. And we're getting to a point of the season where you can't start having this occur. You can't start having this become a trend on your team where one week you're on, one week you're off, one week you're on, one week you're off, because the week that you're off is going to be a very crucial week and you're not going to be able to get that one back. So Cincinnati moves to seven and four. It's a tough division. It's a very tough division. And it's not any time I would say to panic right now if you're a Steelers fan. But again, that's not a very 
positive sign or a glimmer of hope for this season after what you just saw on Sunday. Okay, 41 to 10. It's the first time that the Bengals have swept the series matchup between the regular season series matchup between themselves and the Steelers since 2009. Okay, it's been quite some time, over 10 years since something like this happened. So, and not to mention, we're looking at Big Ben's final years. This is his last hurrah, if you will, his final swan song. What's going to happen next? Okay, what is going to be the trajectory of the quarterback position in Pittsburgh moving forward? Because this Steelers team clearly does not have a whole lot of faith in the guys that are backing up Big Ben. Makes you wonder what they're going to do in the draft this year, right? Kenny Pickett, big local star for Pitt. Maybe he comes to Pittsburgh. Who knows? Maybe. But the Steelers team's going to need to address, obviously, first the rest of the season. But then once you look even further down the road, which you need to do if you're a franchise, you got to figure out this quarterback situation. Because in my personal opinion, this is the last year Ben is going to play. There's no way, after what I've seen the last three weeks, he's going to be able to play anymore. And it's not that he's getting awful or bad. That's not the case. It's you can tell he's getting old. He's getting worn down. I mean, he takes a hit and it takes him much longer to pop up off the ground than it used to. And sure, he's always kind of been a bigger guy that kind of lumbers around the field, but he used to be able to move pretty well. Okay, people forget he used to be able to move very well. And now you can just tell if the pocket breaks down and he gets pressured, he's either going down with the ball or he's just going to quickly check down and throw to Harris or Snell or whoever it might be. That's two or three yards in front of him. And you can just watch when he's feeling pressure, he immediately just goes check down. That's it because he can't move. He can't evade the pressure. He can't get out of the pocket. So Steelers have to figure out this quarterback situation because it's getting to the end of its rope. It's getting, you know, at the end of the tunnel now, and we need to start maybe changing directions if we're the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's the Pittsburgh Steelers game. Obviously, again, a very tough loss for the Steelers, a good win for the Bengals. We'll get into a little bit of the Packers game. Packers played very well. Okay. I'm very pleased with how Green Bay played. At the same time, I'm starting to wonder about this Rams team. You know, they come out of the gates really hot to start the year. They've got everybody in the media talking about them. And then the last three, four weeks, it's like they've completely forgot how to play football. And Matt Stafford really looks like he's lost. I mean, he really looks like he's got no idea what's going on on the field. He's played, I would say, very poor the last three or four weeks. Very contrary to how he played the first couple weeks. And again, that makes me wonder, and I've heard a lot of rumors out there, is Matt Stafford injured? You always hear those things in the news where if Matt Stafford's not playing, he's usually injured, but he's hiding it. He's very good at kind of keeping that under wraps. So I wonder if there's any sort of secret injury that he's dealing with. I mean, he got hit a couple times pretty hard, and he was pretty slow to get up off the ground. He was limping a little bit as well. So he's starting to get beat up real bad. I give a lot of credit to this Rams defense. Really, it's mostly Aaron Donald, but... You still have guys like Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, some very good defensive players. And you could tell that that Rams front line for their defensive line was getting to Rodgers. But something that he does a better job of, somebody say Ben Roethlisberger, is he's able to move around. He's able to evade the pressure. He's able to kind of feel out where he's getting pressured and then be able to scramble forward. And he'll scramble for eight to 10 yards. He's not as nimble as he used to be, but he can still move. Not to mention he's nursing a fractured pinky toe, I believe it is. But all in all, Green Bay played pretty well. I think the offense for me was a strong point at certain points of the game. And then at other points, it was actually a weak point. And the defense, surprisingly enough, stepped up big time. I think that oddly enough, and again, I come on here and I'm very critical of the Packers defense. 
the defense stepped up. The defense actually kind of helped out the offense towards the end of the game because if people were watching and people remember, there was a couple red zone drives that this Packers offense made and they just weren't able to stick it in. And then Mason Crosby struggled a couple times. I mean, he was able to make most of his field goals. He did miss one, but all in all, they would get down the field pretty well. You know, Aaron Rodgers would throw a little slant route over to Randall Cobb. He'd throw a little quick screen pass to Devontae Adams and they'd be able to squirm their way forward for 30, 40 yards. And then they weren't able to do anything after that. And the Rams defense buckled down. So you got to give some good credit to that Rams red zone defense. But again, the offense at times did struggle. I was a little surprised by that. But I think that having a hobbled Aaron Rodgers has a little bit something to do with that. But at the end of the day, it didn't really seem to phase him. I mean, we didn't really see any sort of signs of struggle from him until much later into the game. So all in all, very pleased with how Green Bay has been playing. They obviously also have a lot of injuries defensively. We're hoping to get Jair Alexander back in the secondary, but the secondary did a pretty good job. You know, they had a tall task, I would say, having to deal with Odell Beckham, who got freed up a couple times, had a big touchdown, Cooper Cup, who's been one of the best receivers in football this year. But I got to say, I'm really loving A.J. Dillon. I mean, I am really, really pleased with how he's come along for this Packers offense, what kind of role he plays now. He's done a tremendous job. He's he's great. I mean, he is really good. I always thought he was just going to be a ground and pound kind of guy, short yardage situation kind of person. But he started to show some signs of being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, this is a very nice compliment to an already very good running back core with Aaron Jones and himself. So I think that's going to be a big X factor coming further into this season. Because if you look at the last few years, Aaron Rodgers has really had to rely solely on the pass game. He hasn't been able to have much of a run game until obviously Aaron Jones has come along and he has really come along in the last few years. But now with A.J. Dillon, it really reemphasizes that rushing attack on this offense for the Packers that again, Aaron Rodgers, he's for the last few years had only Aaron Jones. Now he's got two running backs that he can deal with and two running backs that are proficient and very prolific. And he's got a good defense. This is a, a, I would say, still at times a hit or miss defense. But for the most part, it's a defense that has at times shown up. And again, I'll go back to yesterday against a good Rams team, although they've been struggling, they still performed very well. Razul Douglas, I got to give him a lot of credit. He stepped up big time, had a huge pick six. So I've been very pleased with how the defense has played recently. But again, I still question it at times because I've seen it play really well. And then the next week, it's almost like the defense does not exist. So I think consistency on the defensive end, and then obviously just keeping Aaron Rodgers as healthy as possible and continuing to mix in that run game. Those are going to be big keys for this Packers team moving forward, but I'm pretty confident. I feel pretty good about them so far. So I want to wrap it up with just one final game. We're going to get into this Panthers Dolphins game because I want to touch on the aspect of Cam Newton. The reason why I want to touch on the aspect of Cam Newton is comes back to Carolina, has his return, his big kind of welcoming back, if you will, winds up getting benched in the fourth quarter. Why am I making a point of this? Well, I think it's personally another situation where, and I got to give the Dolphins a lot of credit. They've been playing much better football as of late. Tua has been playing very, very well. Uh, Jalen Waddle had a great day. I have him actually on my fantasy team or one of my fantasy teams, and he had a tremendous day. He had nine catches, 137 yards. Honestly, I'm going to take a minute on Jalen Waddle. He's been having a very good season. I don't know if people are paying enough attention to him. I feel like the media has been a little bit quiet with him. I know he's on the Dolphins, but he's been playing very well this season. 
I, again, I've had him on my fantasy team, so I've been paying a little bit of attention to him. He's been playing very well. He's had a couple hundred plus yard reception games. So I've really liked what I've seen out of Waddle so far. But if you're the Panthers, and the other reason why this game is significant is because this Panthers team has just completely derailed. I mean, they come out of the gates hotter than anything, start off 3-0, and Sam Darnold, and I'll even admit it, I came on this show saying, hey, Sam Darnold seems like a legit quarterback. This team sound, seems very, very legitimate right now. Well, a little bit of a different story now, right? I mean, let's face it, that was eight, nine weeks ago. A lot of things have changed. Sam Darnold is, again, injured. Christian McCaffrey, again, getting injured on Sunday. And that's another thing. You know, what to think of Christian McCaffrey? If you're this Panthers team, obviously you don't want to get rid of him. Obviously you don't want to trade him. But if you think about it, he has been banged up more times than not the last two years than he's been playing. And I do worry that this will be a consistent theme with him in his career where he plays really well. And again, he comes out of the gates hot. He comes out of the season very strong. And then he kind of fizzles off and he kind of fades away. He gets injured. Something happens and then it derails his season. So this Panthers team, I think they've got so much talent and they've got so much potential. It's a matter of, can they keep guys healthy? Can they actually execute when it matters? I mean, losing 33 to 10 to a Miami Dolphins team that has clearly struggled this year, you can't have that happen. And I go back to Cam Newton and why that's significant because again, people have been giving Cam Newton time and time again. I am personally getting sick of it to the point where how are you not noticing that this guy is just completely past his prime? He is just a shell of his former self. What else does he need to do and display for people to realize that? Okay, he was 5 of 21 throwing. 5 of 21. He didn't even have 100 yards. He had two interceptions. So please, will somebody come on this show and argue for Cam Newton why he should still be a relevant quarterback and why people should still respect him as a quarterback. Because personally, if I'm a defense, I give him no respect at all. I dare him to throw the ball deep downfield. I quadruple, quintuple dog dare him. I say, you know what? Here, throw the ball. Let's see how far you're going to throw it. Because from what I've watched, he has been, again, below average. And I would say maybe two weeks ago, I would have given you average. He's below average now. And I know Matt Rule came out and said, oh, well, we benched him because PJ Walker knows the two-minute drill and the two-minute offense a little bit better, yada, yada, yada. Okay, sure, you can say that. You can say whatever you want to media personnel. You have no idea, and we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. And so that's why I wonder, was this Cam Newton return to Carolina Something to just honestly fill the seats in Carolina to get people to come to the games. Oh, Cam Newton's back. You associate him with a lot of success when he was in Carolina initially. Oh, we'll be able to bring people back. We're struggling right now. We had a lot of hype coming into the year with a new quarterback, with Christian McCaffrey being healthy, 3-0. and Things have fallen off. Let's go out and get Cam Newton, right? I mean, let's face it. He, Cam Newton is just not the quarterback he once was. He just isn't. And again, I just, I would love if people could show me or display to me or exhibit to me situations or instances or examples of where he has shown he is still a legitimate quarterback. Because again, I'm just not seeing it. 
And I'm not going to sit here and say that I watch Carolina Panther football every single week, but you don't really need to watch a whole lot when you look at the stat sheet and Cam Newton throws the ball 21 times and he completes five passes. And then everybody's all excited and, and, and just exuberant that he's back in Carolina and he rushed for two rushing touchdowns. Okay, but as a quarterback, you still have to throw the ball, right? You still have to be able to throw the ball. And Cam Newton has shown that he can't do that. So things I think are going to get worse before they're going to get better in Carolina, especially this year, especially if Christian McCaffrey is injured for an extended period of time. I think you just roll with PJ Walker. I really do. He played well in the XFL. He's shown that he is a capable quarterback. I just don't think that Cam Newton serves any purpose anymore. I'm sorry. I really don't. I think that maybe he could get lucky two years from now, having a decent season and a resurgence maybe. But again, I think he is well past that point, well past that point. But folks, all in all, another good week of football, another exciting week, some good Thursday games on Thanksgiving, obviously. You had arguably, again, the worst matchup this entire season that we've seen with the Jets and the Texans. I mean, who would want to watch a two, two and eight teams go at it? I know that I would not, and that's why I did not watch it. But all in all, another good week of football. We've got a good week of football ahead of us, and the season's starting to wind down, so we're getting a little closer to playoffs, folks. I'm getting pretty excited for that. But let's get into some sandwich talk. We'll preview a couple things moving forward, and we'll get everybody out of here. First things first, this place that I went to on Saturday, okay? Again, I was at home, went down in the district, went down into D.C., and I said, I'm going to try a place that I've never heard of that's down here in D.C. and give it a try. So I looked up this place. It's called Fed Pig. It's essentially a combination between a restaurant that's down in D.C. called Federalist Pig and then a bookstore that's called Kramer's Books. So I'm sitting there like, okay, a bookstore. This is interesting. So I go to the place and I'm on the sidewalk and I literally can't find the restaurant. I don't know where I am. I'm walking up and down Connecticut Avenue. And then I see Kramer's Books and there's a little sign in there and it says, if you're looking for Fed Pig, Go through Kramer's books and it'll be on your left. So I was like, okay. So I walked in and you're literally greeted by shelves of books. Okay. It's legitimately like you walked into Barnes and Noble for anybody that is old enough that's listening to this that knows what Barnes and Noble is, if it's still around. I think it's still around. But walked in there and it's literally a bookstore. Okay. And then all of a sudden there's a deli countertop that just pops up out of nowhere. And there's a little back room that takes you into like a restaurant seating area. So I'm sitting there like, okay, am I in the right place? Is this, is this the right place? So I go up, I order, I got this sandwich called the Jim Kelly. Really good. Okay, I'll get into that in a minute. Basically a fried chicken sandwich with buffalo sauce, blue cheese, lettuce, celery on a brioche bun. Went up, ordered it, got some fries as well on the side. And I got to say, it was quite the experience being in there. I'm feet away from somebody reading a book, and I just ordered a chicken sandwich. I had to sit there and say, okay, what's going on here, right? I mean, what in the world is going on here? So all in all, the sandwich was really, really good, had a great crunch to it. The buffalo sauce, I don't know what they did with that buffalo sauce, but it was unbelievable. It was almost like homemade, if you will. Tremendous stuff. Very good. The lettuce was nice, cooled things down a little bit from the buffalo sauce because it did have a little bit of a kick. The brioche bun was not toasted, and obviously I do have to 
dock points for that, but I gave it a four, eight out of five. And I've only given one other sandwich that high of a score. And it was when I was in Pittsburgh and I went to hot chicken, which is down in Oakland, really good place. I got the Mac daddy has Mac and cheese and a fried chicken sandwich. How unbelievable is that? Right? I mean, that is delicious. This was just as good. It was incredible. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. The experience was really cool. So I highly suggest to anybody that's in the DC area or is going to be visiting, go down. It's on Connecticut Avenue, Fed Pig, highly suggested the Jim Kelly. Love the name of the sandwich as well. So I gave it a four, eight out of five. But folks, we're going to wrap things up again, just to give everyone a little preview into what's going on the next couple of weeks. We've got some really good guests coming on for Friday and moving forward. I'm actually going to have a very good friend of mine join the show on Friday. He works in the mental performance department at Rutgers University. So he and I are going to discuss obviously his career in athletics and just the importance of mental health in athletics and kind of what his work details. Then we've got some really good college basketball coaches coming on the following week. We've got a couple recurring guests and then we've just got some even better guests rolling on from there. And I'm really excited for it because a lot of these guests that are going to be coming on have awesome stories. They're going to be sharing insight into their seasons. There's going to be athletes from sports that we don't really hear from, which is, again, going to be very exciting. Some track and field athletes, some softball athletes, We're going to probably get some football athletes back on as well. Obviously, basketball athletes, which with it being basketball season. So a lot of fun things on the horizon. Get very excited because, again, we've got some great guests coming on and then some new segments. We're going to actually have a new segment on Friday, and it's called Before and After. I'm not going to give away what it is exactly. But before and after, it's going to be a new segment on the show. I'll explain it on Friday, what it will entail. I hope you all like it, but I think you all are going to like it. I actually got the idea from another podcast I listened to. So I don't know if you want to say that I'm cheating or not, but I went ahead and said, okay, I'll take this idea and I'll spin it my way, if you will. Got some other really interesting things coming on the show as well in the, on the horizon. Going to try and get some friends of mine on the show and have them come on here and there like I've mentioned before, and obviously on Friday, we'll get back to fantasy football friends might have two fantasy football friends come on. So Friday could be a very jam packed show, everyone. So get very, very excited for that. But folks, as always another awesome day today on riding the pine, be sure to keep following and subscribing to riding the pine on Apple and Spotify and keep following on Twitter at ride the pine 20 RTP, all capital and Instagram at riding underscore the underscore pine underscore for all the latest updates on episodes and content to come All 171 episodes are out now. Keep leaving those ratings. Keep leaving those reviews. But again, more importantly, keep sending in that email because we've got that e-newsletter list that's going to continue to grow. So I highly suggest getting signed up for that. But once again, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. And until next time on Ride in the Pine, keep on sitting the bench with me.